listening to the New Century Multiverse, Panther Soul. Chapter 4 The Old One Beatrix The Crimson Serpent reaches our hidden cove, off the Cape of William, named for the monocular corsair of old. We dare not attempt to find safe harbour here. The priority is to simply dispatch myself and the away team in a rowboat. The sea-bound militant abolitionism with mild elements of skullduggery and looting, which our organization performs, is considered by the whole crew to be an essential good. To abandon that ongoing mission of mercy, moor our ship, and proceed altogether in search of the Cloudbreaker through many unfamiliar lands, will likely wind us up in an almighty skirmish where we are out of our element with no friendly place to retreat to. Thus, it is decided that this is to be an operation of stealth. Myself, Liseth, and Rickish will be the ones to go. My dear friend, Marco, objects most strongly. As a lion, you will draw obvious and righteous aggression from the various tribes. I stand firm and remind him how useful it was to have someone from Albion around to mask our impropriety from my own kind, especially one with a silver tongue like mine. And this coastline, and indeed deeper areas, now have more lions dwelling within them every month. The encroachment is happening at a pace that frightens us all. We bid the crew of the Serpent farewell, and are reminded of the arrangements to reconnect, should we succeed in our nigh-on impossible task. I pull thoughts of this being a one-way trip from my mind. We will simply do as we can to blend in and quietly uncover a trail that may lead us, one day soon, to the Cloudbreaker. I watch the roiling waters behind us as our rowboat disembarks for the sheltered Sandy beach, resplendent with leaning palms. I shudder to imagine what ravenous forces could, this very day, be coming from across the sea. Stardancer, it is today. Beneath us in the leafy basin, five traveling jaguars walk. They have sharp weapons on their packs for hunting along the way, and two were hauling a supply cart which smells like it contains spices and dried quagga meat. They will be the slowest to react. The dark male at the front appears to be the strongest. He carries a shovel-like spear. 
The slender, tawny female behind him has keen eyes and seems to suspect something is about to happen. Her hackles shift under her leather armor. And behind her is a herbalist. I can smell the array of pouches from all the way up here. She is timid. I eye my companions. Fowler, his broad red and orange patched body and thick muscles tensed under his divine fuchsia spots, has his eyes on me. I point one pad down towards the herbalist and sign for him to be gentle as he kills her. Senate looks thirsty for blood. I give her a cautioning glance. Point two pads down to the pair with the cart, and her dark red fur bristles. I shall take the other two. They appear the most ripe and rich. The tension lowers itself. A blanket lined with jagged fangs holding us utterly still. Then we break free and fall, cascading down upon the frightened jaguars. I hone in on the biggest one with the spear and ghost my body, flowing like rain, faster than he can react. My dance is the song of a weeping, aged widow, and his heart is caught. His thrusts become wild and sorrowful. The sharp-eyed female tries to help him, but I pirouette between them both, dashing my pads against their pressure points, taking away their movement, putting their limbs to sleep. The male goes down, the female struggles. I backflip and arch myself as the widow's heart breaks in two, before landing the final blow to the back of her neck. She curls up, gentle as a drowsing kitten. Fowler holds aloft the crumpled form of the herbalist for me to inspect. He has broken her neck like a twig, but her expression appears peaceful, as though in sleep. I feel a pang of pity, but thank him for his mercy. Across the way, Senate stands over the two quagga, now bleeding from their severed throats. Their expressions are not peaceful at all. I growl disapprovingly at my companion, and she hisses back. We can only carry so much, and the meat is most welcome. Senate and I must drag the large male. Fowler hefts the cart, and I remove several worldly items, and much in the way of supplies they were transporting, so that I can lay the slender, tawny jaguar down in their stead. There was something in her eyes that I admired, behind the sharpness. I would like to know more, and hope that things work out for the best. Behind us, we leave the dead. It feels wrong, as it always does, but to let any of them live to speak of us would bring every single razor-sharp fang and claw after our family, and that can never happen. We must, as always, strike like a bolt from above, and disappear without a trace back into the safety of the forest. We push the two jaguars to their knees outside the woven reed tent. Their paws are bound and they reek of fear. 
Senate makes the offering cry, and the beaded flap rolls back. From within emerges a dark, cloaked, hooded form. Mog pads forward slowly and bends down, her face hovering close to the female. She has been weakening in recent yesterdays and is badly in need now. Part of her cheek is crumbling. Her left eye has a pale magenta glow about it. When she opens her mouth, her fangs are rotted. Her lips are sallow, and the breath that emerges reminds me of grave posts. What are your names? She asks the captives in one of their primitive jaguar dialects. They gaze into those eyes, transfixed like antelope. Chaps! The big male hisses. You can go straight to the lands of the Forgotten! Noon! Murmurs the female. She, unlike her companion, is adrift in the aura surrounding this most ancient of beings. You are both strong, says Mog, playing a claw under Noon's chin. Your senses are so alive. What do they tell you? How do you feel? Noon's breaths are shallow. That I am alive. Mog turns to Jax. And you have power in your frame. What would you use it for? I would crush your skull, witch! He snaps. I would welcome death if I could avenge my fallen comrades! Mog straightens up and very slowly smiles, then turns and re-enters her tent, standing in its gateway. Come for me. She purrs, and then to us. Unbind him. I hesitate, worried for my now fragile mother. But she nods encouragingly, and I obediently slice the cords at the muscular jaguar's wrists, thumping the areas upon his body that will send movement back to his limbs. The male stands, groggy, somewhat uncertain, and turns about, his eyes flashing with hatred for us. Behind me, Sinet draws her daggers and readies herself to kill, while Fuller flexes his frame. Jax glances down at Noon, whose head is bowed, then turns back to the tent, where Mog stands waiting. She repeats herself. <laughs> Come for me! Jax roars, desperation, fury, and despair all roiling into one as he dives forward and is swallowed up in woven confines. We do not see what happens, but we hear it. I see Senate lick her lips. Sometime later, the tent flap rolls aside once more, and Mog strides out.
She is a beautiful, grey, divine leopard. Not youthful, but brimming with the wisdom of experience. She crosses to me, lowering her dark hood, and runs her pads across my cheek. I shiver at her touch, as the smudged spots upon fur seem to shift and undulate. The crumbling has mended. Her lips are full and ripe, and her eyes are focused and piercing, with the magenta light hidden far down inside. Behind me, Senate lets out a low growl. <laughs> My mother kneels once more beside Noon and raises the jaguar's head gently, breathing sweetness upon her. <sighs> are going to be such firm companions. She promises. You would like that, wouldn't you? Noon's hackles relax and her mind drifts. Yes. She purrs. Yes. As Fowler and I go through what remains on the cart, I find Noon's backpack and rifle through it. My paws close around a journal, bound in extremely old leather, from the hide of a creature I cannot identify. I leaf through it, catching some words that I know, and some I do not. But one image I definitely recognize. I have seen it carved upon old, old stones. I bring the book to Mother, who takes it in her enormous paws and slides her claw through the yellowing pages. I wait patiently for her to reach the particular picture that got my eyes widening, and I see her, and see her expression change. A hunger descends upon her. Noon is called to us. You, you have, have not, not told, told us what you, what were, you doing were doing in these parts, parts, Mog says, and holds up the book. Would, Would you, you like, like to tell, to us, tell about us about it now? it now? Oh, yes, Mother. Noon nods, and we settle around the fire. My, my companions and I... She begins, in Jagan, and falters, reflecting on those who are now gone. Look at me. My darling, Mog urges softly. Do not let yourself be troubled by their departure. My companions, you are alive and can tell us tales of your circus before you found your way home. To us, my. We had acquired this book with its instructions directing us to the city of Bast. I understand much of what she is saying from scraps picked up over the years. There, we would find the resting place of the Cloudbreaker. <sighs> this information is old, Mog says, a little disappointment in her voice. But, so, so many, many who came, came before have undertaken, undertaken this quest, and, and I... 
admire, admire you, you for, for trying. trying. Thank you, Mother. But I have not yet finished my tale, says Noon, respectfully. I like this female. She is tactful and learned, for one from the wild. Behind her, Senate growls softly as the jaguar inches closer to Mog. We were seeking the Cloudbreaker, yes. But there are stepping stones just beneath the surface of this lake. She takes the book and flips through to a new image, further back. Look here. You think? Mog asks, her breast rising with excitement. This is in in the the city city of Bastarion? I shall take you to it. Noon promises. Commodore Shrike. We set off from Plymouth to Fair Winds, which bore the crew of the superiority across the Atlantean Sea, bound for the Dark Continent. The red flag of Albion with its black cross, adorned with the white lion, flying splendidly in the breeze, pointing us towards our goal. It has gone by many names over the passing centuries, the Nordic snowcats who visited the shores in their longboats named it the Hotlands. The conquistadors of El Gato, who attempted to plunder the far southern areas in search of gold, called it Tierra Cortez. For the past millennium, we lions of Albion have focused our efforts instead upon expansion across the merchant's paradise of Europa, the tea fields of Hindustan, and the diamond mines of Alkibulan. For us, The western continent we once held dominion over has always been known as Arcadia. Now it exists in two potential states, vying for dominance in our minds, the old world and the new. I watch the arbours of our grand city of Leonidas, located on the eastern shores of the protruding lower tip of Evergladia, draw nearer as titchy tugboats journey out to assist this flagship galleon of our exceptional navy into her new berth. I turn and survey the army at my back. A hundred lions, trained up to be tip-top. They cut a series of regimented fine figures in their black uniforms. They guide our sails, all our ropes, stow our cannon and weigh anchor. And each and every one of them knows our course. We shall thread through this land of spear-earling, teepee-dwelling Aborigines, keeping our rifles primed and ready. Then, if it is somewhere in there, amid their totem poles and voodoo heresy, I shall personally claim the Cloudbreaker for the Empire of Albion, and let all who stand in our way learn the price of resistance. been listening to episode four of panther soul the old one written edited and directed by alexander shaw captain beatrix performed by loretta sailor marco performed by robert suris 
Star Dancer, performed by Theo Lee. Morgue, performed by Maya Suris. Noon, performed by Tanya Milojevic. Jax, performed by Jerome Bacat. Commodore Shrike, performed by Sharon Shaw. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Panther Soul Theme, Zard, composed and performed by Jason Bradley Livesey of Shockwave Sound. Witch by the Sea, composed and performed by Darren Curtis. Ghost Story, Zombie Hoodoo, and Whimsy Groove, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Exoplanet Forest Fantasy, provided by Blue Zone Corporation. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon, and our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you to Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Brewington, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolf, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Finbar Nicole, Frankie Punzi, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joe G, Josh Waster, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Robbie Crow, Sarah Montgomery, Tima Hellas Hario, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Tom Painter, Trey Contreras, and Valencia Burns. For the maximum New Century Multiverse experience, you need to be checking out the podcast Through the Wind Door, where Greg Downing and Toby Skills Jungius talk us through each story like a book club and go into mind-boggling depth. I don't know about you, but I like having my mind boggled. They're currently up to Steamheart. And if you want to read the entirety of Panthersoul right now, it is available in a gorgeous paperback on Amazon.com. Alternately, you can support this project for $10 on Patreon and get access to all the New Century ebooks and audiobooks.